Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the North Shore Drive podcast from Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, we're going to go all Pirates with this episode. They got Paul Skeens. I want to talk about that with Jason Mackey about the Pirates draft weekend, how they played it, what all led into the pick, as well as their other picks, and a look at the Pirates as we head into the All-Star break. An all-Pirates episode of the North Shore Drive podcast here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast. A show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. This show is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on your favorite podcasting app, as well as on YouTube. Subscribe to this channel and like this video if you're enjoying what you see here. We also have daily content that comes out from our writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, including our man here, Jason Mackey, who's up in in the wee hours here in Seattle after a long night covering the MLB draft. And Jason... We talked about this all last week. What were the Pirates going to do? Were they going to pass on one of the LSU guys and go for Max Clark or someone else? There was a whole bunch of scuttlebutt, but the bottom line is they did it. They got Paul Skeens. They sure took their time in doing so. Break down to us how this night worked out in the, in, before the big pick. They didn't screw it up, Chris. <laughs> I tweeted that, and I believe it. They didn't <laughs> screw it up. And it... Thank God they didn't. I I did not want to deal with the backlash of taking Max Clark or Walker Jenkins or what. And honestly, honestly, I believe they were going to. I really did. Like, I I wanted them to take Paul Skeens. I thought it made a lot of sense for them to take Paul Skeens. I didn't think they were going to take Paul Skeens. Um, I'm glad they took Paul Skeens. Let me add that. But, I mean, either the the Pirates, maybe the Pirates are really good at, throwing people off of their scent or something like that. Or maybe I do know they like to do their due diligence on guys, look into guys. And maybe that's the sense people around those efforts got that, Hey, they're really, they're really in on Wyatt Langford. They really like him. They're really in on Max Clark. They really like him. Um, Or I don't know. I mean, maybe things changed the 11th hour and Bob Nutting walked into a room and said, take Paul Skeens. I I don't, I don't know if that, I'm just literally making things up right now because I'm sleep deprived. No. Um, 
this is the smart pick, Chris. This is where we should have landed at the very beginning of this thing. I mean, people are starting to learn about this kid. They're learning about his physical makeup, what he can do on the mound, what his mental makeup is. I mean, it's a no-brainer of a pick. And, I, you know, I don't need him to hit. I don't care if he hits. But give me the guy who throws 100, 102, nasty breaking stuff. This is a future ace Absolutely. It's somebody who's going to be in the major leagues, in my opinion, next year. I don't think you'll find many people who disagree with that. Just a slam dunk of a pick. I hear you on that. And that, that was my next question. You kind of answered a little bit there. But was all this talk just smokescreen? Or what, you know, because I, I got the impression that, like, at first I was like, they're playing, right? They're, they're playing around. They're, come on. They wouldn't do this. And the more we were talking, about, I was like, oh, gosh, this, this, this really could happen. And then it didn't. But was this really the, their plan all along, or was this just, hey, they, they legitimately really were thinking about pa- passing on a guy like this? I think this was their plan all along. Okay. I, I do. I and, and, again, that's gut. That's talking to Ben Sherrington about it last night and, and seeing mm-hmm. the reaction in his face, knowing where they do intend to take this organization and how much a guy like Paul Skeens can genuinely help that. Um, And also talking to people who are a lot smarter about this stuff than me, draft analysts, people who write about it, people who track these prospects the entire year. And, you know, a lot of them told me this is not the year to get cute. It's not a year to to try to do some sort of fancy strategy like they did in 2021. And great. And they didn't. This was the easy pick, simple pick. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess what are these events without some sort of drama? I could right. deal without it for next year. I hope they don't have a one-one <laughs> pick in a while. I've got my fill on covering this. Um, I'm sure fans don't want to see them pick one-one for a while either, because it means the team stunk the previous year. But yeah, I mean, there's there's been some stuff that has happened over the past couple of weeks. I'm glad it's behind us. Same here. Break down more, Paulski. We know he's a flamethrower. We know he can bring the heat. I, you know, I've read about his curveball as being ridiculous. Break down to us, what kind of a pitcher is he? What kind of a person do you think he is after his time at LSU? Yeah, so I'll do the pitcher part first. And he, again, six foot, six and a half, 260 pounds, something like that. There's been different numbers out there on him. Like some people list them as 235. Um, we actually asked him about that in his Zoom call last <laughs> night. And he said, yeah, I don't I don't know where that came from. Like I'm, I'm 260-something. So, I mean, <laughs> he's a big boy. He's yeah. a very big boy. Long limbs, obviously throws incredibly hard. I've seen some stuff out there, too. Again, this is almost like silly season stuff where people say his fastball's too straight. Like, what? It's 103. What do you mean too straight? What you see in it? (laughs) (laughs) It seems okay. He struck out 209 batters in 122 and two-thirds innings. Like, I think it's all right. It's like major league. It's too high. What do you mean too high? It's gone. It's gone. gone. (laughs) (laughs) It's too straight. Uh, Anyway, so – He's got that. And one thing I was surprised to learn last night, Chris, is that he doesn't have just one breaking ball. Um, And it's been sort of a variety of things. Like it was this harder, tighter slider last year. And he went to work this past season making it a sweeper, which basically means you're going to try to get more horizontal movement, take a little bit more off of it instead of throwing it harder. Well, in the process of doing that, he sort of he, he tinkered with this thing called a gyro slider, which is like a little bit more downward oh. break, almost like a slurvy kind of thing. And so that sort of manifested itself into a curveball, and that worked for him. He's still working on trying to get basically, I'd call it a cutter, 
and they think that he can add that. Charrington said last night he has three legitimate breaking balls, which mm. I don't need him to throw three. I don't think the Pirates need him to throw three. Two's fine. Um, if he is able to shape a cutter, cool. He also has an above-average changeup. And sorry, I can talk about his pitching. No, you're there. fine. Go, I go. I, 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 I'm following you. <laughs> I just realized I went down a rabbit hole. Um, no, this is great. No, he has a legit changeup. It's almost like a split change. We were talking to him last night about okay. that. Um, and, and he does all that while throwing strikes, fearless, um, has actually very good and polished mechanics for being somebody that big. I don't expect this to be somebody where they have to go to work on and spend a lot of time sort of revamping his delivery. It's excellent. Um, so anyway, that was the type of pitcher he is, the type of person he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll hear a lot about a military background. And he has two uncles who served in the Navy, one who served in the Coast Guard. Um, nice. We talked to Cruz last night about going to the Air Force Academy where he started. He said it was a no-brainer for him to go there. And he wanted to be in a service academy and do that with his life and then wanted to pursue Major League Baseball and said it was the hardest decision of his life to leave Air Force. And wanted, you know he would have to serve in the Air Force and, and wanted to start his pro career. And there's something not totally is up on this, but like if it's before his junior year, he's not tied to that commitment in some way, whatever. Mm-hmm. So he transferred to LSU. Anyway, a lot of those characteristics manifest themselves with how he carries himself. Like very serious, very respectful, very team-oriented guy, uh, puts a lot of intent into learning about things. I have a story on our website right now that talks about that and you know how much he is just naturally curious and wants to develop and wants to do this stuff on his own. So the, the makeup, uh, probably physical and mental for him, is off the charts. I, I, that sounds fantastic. That sounds exactly what you what you want in your first overall pick. Not just to be a great talent, but to better, be seriously. that character. Seriously, you could not. You could not. Just it, it could not be better. This this is a great position to be in. I got a couple. I got a lot more questions here that we're going to get to in a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Not just about schemes, but about the rest of the draft and where Jason sees the the Pirates rotation going in the next few years with schemes now involved there with Keller and the other guys. But we'll get to that in a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. First, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co, where you can buy tickets for your favorite events and where buying tickets won't be stressful because if you download the Game Time app, they give you a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all events, whether they're sports, music, comedy, or theater, all, all near you. They give you killer deals on last-minute tickets, and they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have at your favorite events with the Game Time app. Download that app today, and it'll give you exclusive flash deals on football games, basketball games, baseball games, concerts, comedy, theater events, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price, and you'll and if you find tickets in the same section and row for less at the same event, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are that they're going to get you the best price for your favorite tickets. Snag those tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app today, create an account with, with code PITTPIT, and you get $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute pay- tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Back here in the North Shore Jive podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jason Mackey, our Steve Pirates beat reporter who's still out there in Seattle after the draft. Jason, got to ask you this question just to go back because the other option here that everyone was talking about this, the Pirates couldn't miss if they made it 
was getting Dylan Cruz, uh, the LSU buddy of Paul Skeens, who did go second overall to the Nationals. Now, looking at looking at both of them, what is your logic behind taking a pitcher over the, the the top position player that could also have been brought up pretty quickly for the Pirates right now? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that probably separated the two. And one, I think it's a line I used before, but I believe it relative to his position. Um, you know, I, I think that Skeens was the best pitcher available by a wide, wide margin. He is a separator, as we've talked about on here. And, you know, there's a reason pitchers make a boatload of money in Major mm-hmm. League Baseball. A guy that can do that. I mean, you're you're setting your team up, you theoretically giving them a chance a very good chance to win every fifth day. And so if you're the Pirates, what you want to do is build your staff around pitching. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays and the pitching that they do. At the same time, that's very expensive, and that's very tough to get on the open market. You can a lot of times find an outfielder for cheap, bring him in, give him playing time, and figure out things to help him succeed. Um, Not that this is a perfect example, but Corey Dickerson would be an Mm. example of somebody they like. They brought him in. He was good. Won a gold glove. Was you know, productive here and and left and went somewhere else. Like you can find those guys. Um, I guess you can with pitching too, but you know, for me, this was an opportunity to get something that they wouldn't otherwise spend money to get on the open market. You can find theoretically an outfielder to come in there and produce. Um, I just, I, this isn't a mark against Dylan Cruz either. Like I'm not trying to slam the kid. It's just, I think there's so much to like about Paul Skeens that Mm. I, I, I don't want to go in another direction. I can't pick two. I have to pick one of them. I wish Dylan Cruz well. Um, but, you know, there's just so much there and at, at a premium value compared to what that would otherwise cost on the market that I wouldn't move off of schemes. Absolutely. I want to ask you this question. What does the future Pirates, what does an ideal future Pirates rotation look like what are what are, what are we looking at here we know that mitch keller's up quinn priester's been a name that we've heard for many for many years now uh and now you you throw skeins into the mix mix here let's say not even next year two years from now what is what do you what is a, an ideal pirates rotation look like oh boy you're gonna make it complicated two years from now chris <laughs> that's all right though. it's good it's a good question um okay let's go skeins we're gonna go keller we're gonna go priester Th- okay. those are three very easy ones from there, I really like Jared Jones in AAA Indianapolis. I think people are going to start learning more about him. And and I don't think it's going to be this year. I think next year is probably his time when he gets up here. But uh, two years from now, I would say Jones is probably in that mix, along with Anthony Salamana, who's in AA Altoona right now, the funky throwing left-hander they have. I don't know if I'd give up on Bubba Chandler, but I have a tough time, I guess, projecting him into this list, given he's had some struggles this season in high A. Um, aside from that, I'm not also – you know. Rowanzi Contreras and Luis Ortiz are sort of a hot button topic with the Pirates right now. And I understand why people aren't terribly high on them. I think Ortiz ultimately will become a reliever. I think there's a really mm-hmm. good pitcher in there, but it's probably sinker slider. And that usually plays better out of the bullpen. I think Rowanzi can be a starter in this league and will be a starter in this league. He just, you know, he's sort of going through what Mitch Keller went through. So anyway, I guess the last piece I would add, would I do think Rowanzi will be back into that rotation and, 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 Again, I'm more than five here, but I'm just giving you options. Johan Oviedo is another mm-hmm. one that I really, really like and I think could be in there. And there's always the impossible predictions of like who's going to be signed free agency wise and think things will happen. But I think the bottom line is having their own core 
where they have uh, you know multiple guys that they can rely on that you're excited to get on the mound at PNC Park that I think will, will, will be huge. And I guess my next question here is, does that core mature in time enough with all the young position players that they've that they've been building and the group that the young nucleus that we've been talking about over the past year that they've been trying to construct? Do you see this pitching rotation getting there at the right time for this quarter, all for the for the guys in the field to also be at the right time? I do, Chris. I do. I do see this in a very nice alignment. Um, I like what the way this is coming together, and and you're seeing it on the position player side. I think you're going to see Andy Andy Rodriguez shortly after the break. Same with Quinn Priester. I think I said that before, but just to make sure, it, get it out there. I don't think we're, fans are going to have to wait very long. You've seen what Jared Triolo, Nick Gonzalez, Henry Davis can do. I like those guys very much on the position player side. And you've got some stuff to sort out with, like, who plays what position, you know, mm. who, catches, who plays in the outfield, who plays first. Like, to me, that's all, you know, pitter-patter. It's fine. You figure that out. Like, I, I've seen enough from those guys to know that I want to see more. And I think they can be legitimate major leaguers. They're exciting. They're young. They're going to have to learn. But, um, yeah, so that's going to match up, I think, with the pitching stuff relatively decently. You're going to have a very nice homegrown core. And, frankly, this is what the Pirates were going for. And I mm. think I think people understood that. I think they didn't want to wait as long as it takes to do that, which is understandable. I mean, that goes back to the Pirates sort of – cleaning house and changing things, which I think they waited too long on. And then you create this process and it's an even longer wait. But yes, I think they actually sync up pretty, pretty well. I, I hear you on that. Talk to us about Mitch Jeb. He was the player they picked 42nd overall, a shortstop for Michigan State. There, uh, you know, I get the the impression that they're, you know, not the impression, but I, you know, I'm reading on Twitter and I'm seeing people being like, wait, a shortstop, don't we have enough of those? But yeah. what do you, what did you see the, the merit of picking Jeb and what he brings to the table? So the, the scout that I talked to last night has seen Jeb a lot and gotten to know him. Um, didn't think he was going to stick at shortstop and actually mm -hmm. said he saw him going out the center field. So he's probably okay. not an infielder. Um, so I think that might have something to do with it. But, you know, a lot of times with this stuff, like you're, you're drafting based on makeup and tools and what guys can do. You know, people see that he played shortstop in college. This isn't like the NFL. It's not like, you know, you played cornerback in college and you can't, you know, become an offensive tackle. Like that, that's a different sport. It's not going to happen. You can in baseball, if you play shortstop, you can become the center fielder in major league baseball. That is, that is possible. So um, type of player, probably a weak, weaker hitting, I would say, at least in mm -hmm. terms of power, I shouldn't say weaker hitting, but you know, there's not a ton of power there. He's a big contact guy, rarely strikes out, rarely swings and misses line to line gap power, um, so, I mean, I like that. He runs, runs extremely well. It's probably why he'll wind up in center field and, you know, should be able to steal some bases, stretch some doubles into triples. Um, you know, a little bit more advanced given he's a college kid. I mean, maybe he starts at high A, double A. I think that's probably about what you would see. And, I, and this isn't a mark against Jeb, but this is also draft strategy playing out, right? Like this is what Major League Baseball teams do. You have slot value. And so the Pirates signed a guy, college kid, he's out of leverage. Of course, he's going to sign. He'll sign for less. They saved some money on that pick, and then they spent it on the next kid, Xander Muth, um, the the pitcher from, in, I, I want to say Indiana, but it's Illinois. Let me get my geography right. Um, <laughs> he's the high school kid. They're going to pay more to to bypass his commitment to Mississippi and, and join them. So, I mean, that's a strategy. I hear you on that. I was going to ask you about Muth and what 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 your thoughts were yep. on him, as in he's also a bigger bodied pitcher, I believe. Yep, big dude. Big. They all yeah. are. 
They all are. All these pitchers, they <laughs> yeah. can't be small like me. Uh, no. So, yeah, Muth, he throws about 95, um, right-hander, lean, about 190 pounds, needs to add some weight, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, is said to have a very good slider, very good changeup. Again, you know, we're talking about high school kids, so he's, he's raw. He's going to require some work in all this stuff. But, you know, if he's good enough that Mississippi wants him, it's good enough that, you know, for me, that the Pirates might – want him and be able to take him in and do some stuff with him. And, and he's somebody that scouting services and scouts and all that stuff really, really liked. And he's somebody that they're going to have to pay more to commit to. But, you know, like a lot of guys comes down to command execution of pitches, that sort of thing. And the pirates can work with them, but there are, there are projectable tools in there as they say in the industry. And anytime you throw 95, 96, 97, which he's done and, and you've got complimentary offerings, somebody's going to give you a chance. I hear you on that. Really exciting stuff with the draft. Jason Mackey, he's in Seattle uh, for, for just a few more days there. But I want to talk to Jason about where we see the Pirates are now that we are at the All-Star break and, and we're getting into that. Now they have a few days off while the All-Star game is, is happening and that's going to be all those festivities. want to talk about the Pirates specifically and how they're handling everything here on the North Shore Drive podcast with Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Jason Mackey, stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jason Mackey, our esteemed Pirates reporter, who's out there in Seattle. He's covering the MLB draft. But let's take a step away from the draft for a second. Let's talk about the actual Pirates and how things played out going into the the uh, the All-Star break. They lose their last three series, winning only one game in each of those series against the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Diamondbacks. They, st- they currently sit at 41 and 49, fourth place in the NL Central behind the Reds, Brewers, and Cubs, eight and a half games out of first place in the Central. Now, again, Jason, we've talked about this a lot, but, you know, with their with their April start, some people thought that, oh, wait, there's a chance that they could, you know, win the division and be in that position. You and I had kind of been saying, hey, brace for a bit of a, a pushback against their early success. That has happened. But where do you see the Pirates now as far as how they've, how they've weathered things? Is this where you expected them to be? And do you think that there could be a, maybe a, a better second half, even, even if it's just by a few games coming? A pushback against their <laughs> – I like yeah. that, Chris. That was a very politically correct way of saying they're going to go. go in the tank. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is what I expected. Yeah, um, they, they had a decent start. Um, I think that if you would have told Pirates fans at the beginning of the season, this is what the team is going to do, remove emotions from it, I think they would probably say that represents some semblance of progress. And I think as the season goes on, you want to see positions change, guys change, guys get more opportunity. And and we're starting to see that with what I mentioned with Triolo, Gonzalez, Davis, all that stuff's great. I think there's more to go. I think you're going to see, like I said, Andy Quinn mm-hmm. up here shortly after the break. I don't know if I see the Pirates having – maybe they have one more, you know, salvo in them as far as a run. But, you know, I, I see this trajectory about holding. I mean, I had mm-hmm. this team at 74, 75 wins before the season. Nothing I've seen is going to dissuade me from that at this point. I still think that's where it lands. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I think they're going to continue to crater. But I'm, I, I don't think they're going to boomerang back to 20 and eight at the, the first month of the season. I don't think their fans 
think that. I mean, that's that's crazy yeah. at this point. But you know, I think we're starting to see depth, attrition, that sort of thing. Like the Pirates just aren't deep enough. They mm-hmm. they're just not deep enough with arms. They're not deep enough with position players. Um, they have a lot of guys who are trying hard and and mean really well. But over time, you would like to improve that you'd like to get Mm -hmm. more offense there I think their offense just doesn't have enough weapons at this point Um, I'd like to see Brian Reynolds hitting more I'd like to see Brian Hayes healthy and hitting more than he has Um, they're not getting a bunch of production from behind the plate I'm stating the obvious for some people I know but you 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 just you'd like to see a little bit more there no, I I agree with you there. You'd like to see a little bit more because again, this this year I think we 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 both made this point, and I think a lot of people have, have started to understand. This year was never about this year specifically. This is about building for the future years as far as seeing what can this core learn from this year. How can what what progress can they make with a lot of their young guys, and how can they set themselves up to me next year, the year after, be the start of something really special for the Pirates for the Pirates Ball Club. But let's still focus on this year for a little bit. The Pirates have been dealing with a lot of injuries. Are there is there any good news as far as expectations for 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 guys being healed up and ready to go either at the end at the end of the All-Star break? I believe they play the Giants on Friday um, or soon after that. So Andrew McCutcheon, I expect to be back not too long after the All-Star break. Okay. Uh, his elbow issue. I think what they wanted to do there is basically just get it get it in good shape once and for all. And he's probably needed this for a little bit. This is not just a, a past couple of days things. He, he's been nursing this a while. And and so, yes, I expect him to be back uh, sooner than later. The bigger one is key Brian Hayes. Um, mm-hmm. Not that he's been a world beater offensively, but you want to get him in there and get that opportunity. And they also need to figure out what the heck's going on with his back. I mean, a 25 year old kid, I think he's 25 should not be having back issues that right substantially um to me there's there's something more in there that's that's worth taking a look at so he's going to be a little bit longer and i think that's that's for the best as far as anybody else out i'm trying to think if the who else would even be nearing a return but uh will crow is going to be back um not too long after the break he's one to look for in the bullpen they can use all the help they can get jose hernandez as well but um yeah unless i'm forgetting anybody i think that's about it uh, I know this one is way, way down the line, but when are you still expect? What, are you, what is there? Is there an expectation for O'Neill Cruz to come back at some point this year? I know we talked earlier about it, maybe mid-August if they if they yeah. went well. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not even that what that far down the line, Chris. I mean, you know, so he's running doing now. some light baseball. What's that? Oh, I said you're right. It's July now. It's just how fast the move. Oh, I know. I know, man. I know, like. You know, five, six weeks, he should theoretically be back. Um, That's the given timetable. I think they've pushed it back a little bit. And they've always, every time Todd Tomzik, the director of sports medicine, talked to us, he's talked about, you know, we're not going to unnecessarily push O'Neill and all that stuff. And I get it. I don't don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think anybody adhering to, like, this timeline that was given four months ago needs to chill a little bit. Like, I I don't care if O'Neill Cruz doesn't play at all this season. Like I would just rather his ankle be healthy and they not do anything stupid. There's no there's no reason to do anything and risk it this year. But yes, theoretically, based on everything we've heard to this point, around five weeks from now, you should see him back in game action. But yeah, it's it's a little bit more down the line. 
I, I hear you on that. He's Jason Mackey for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com is where you can find all of his content and all of our content as far as the work that he that he's doing there. Jason, thank you for all the great work you do and keep grinding out there as you always do uh, in Seattle. We'll have more from Jason later this week as we continue to talk buckles. We get through the all-star break and where they, they get back out, out there on the field uh, this, this Friday. We also have Andrew Destin out there doing the hard work. Thanks again to Jason and thanks again to everyone for tuning in to the North Shore Drive podcast. I've been your host, Chris Carter. Do check out again all of our content at postgazette.com. But this show, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, on our favorite on our all of our podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this channel for all of the content that we produce here. We'll be back Wednesday with more from the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll see you then right here from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.